Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. You know, one of the biggest struggles as the children of God when we are talking about we are the righteousness of Christ is how we perceive ourselves, how we actually see ourselves in the kingdom of God. A lot of times the way we see ourselves and the way that God sees us is contrary, is contrary to one another. And a lot of times we live in such a way that, um, or, or we walk out what we are thinking or our mentality of things that it's really not what God has intended, that God's intended something else. And today, I know a lot of you may be already walking in with the mindset on the righteousness of Christ and, 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 and all that, but for those that's not, or, or even if you are, I'm praying that you would be built up from this. But I want to read to you, first of all, out of Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. It says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again, to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Indeed, we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. And as we look at this together today, I want to really challenge us to begin to gain the perspective that God would have upon our lives and our own mind towards who we are in Christ. And when you are put on, when you put on the right righteousness of God. The day you get saved and you put on the righteousness of God, you have to realize that you have put on sonship, that you become sons and daughters of God. And at that moment, when you accept Christ in your life, you become into the place of sonship that makes you an heir of Christ. And since you're an heir, that means you have an inheritance, right? And you're adopted son or daughter, and therefore you are an equal with Christ. And, you know, a lot of people have problems saying, thinking that even that we are created even higher than the angels, you know, people have that, they have a hard time with that, even that mentality, that we are actually God's highest creation. That even when we feel like that we're a mess, when we are in Christ Jesus, we are still yet the highest creation. And the Bible also lets us know as we begin to break it down in the Amplified and a few of these verses coming up, in Romans 8 and 17, it says it like this, and if we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and, he, and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his righteousness with him. Only we must share his suffering if we are to share his glory. So a joint heir or an equal heir means that we do not lack anything that Jesus has. That everything that Jesus has, that we are an heir and sonship of that same inheritance. See, his righteousness entitled to him to everything he has. And his righteousness also entitles everything that we have. Because Jesus did die upon the cross. Because he did take our place. Because he stood in our place and died. And died a death that we should have died. We should have been crucified. That should have been us 
upon the cross, but Christ took our place, stood there, and became the righteousness of God, and everything that he has inherited, the Bible lets us know that we are equal heirs and sonship with the Son of God. So we're all the sons and daughters of God. So his righteousness has entitled him to everything he has, and it's hard for some to catch because they do not view themselves as Christ does, but they allow their flesh to begin to deem who they are. See, we can't listen to our flesh. Listen, there's days I have bad days. If I deem who I am upon my bad day, you know, there's times I'm having a bad day. I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm agitated. I'm aggravated. And I'm just walking this thing out. And I'm sitting there thinking, I know I don't feel good. My blood pressure's up. But I'm still the righteousness of Christ. I start talking to myself. Have you ever laid hands on yourself and prayed for yourself? I do. I anoint my head, wash my face, declare no matter what's going on in my life, I still yet going to declare I'm the righteousness of God. No matter what this situation says, no matter what my flesh or my carnality is trying to speak to me, I know that I am the righteousness of Christ. Amen? But we have to understand when we look at Romans 8 and 15, even in the Amplified, listen to this. It says, for the spirit which you have received is not a spirit of slavery. See, our flesh makes us feel like that we are slaves. All right? So that you put up once more in bondage to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit of producing sonship. So when we look at the spirit of adoption, it's the spirit of producing sonship, that God has given us the ability through the Holy Spirit to be the sons and daughters of God today. And the day you were born again in the family of God, you were adopted as a child. Your adoption makes you it makes it possible for you to be the joint heir with Christ. You become just like Jesus in the eyes of the Father. Now let's work on this a little bit together. I'm going to ask, I hardly ever ask for you to work with me, so I'm going to ask you to say this with me out loud. Now, if you do it good the first time, I won't make you do it the second time. Amen? But I want everyone to say it. I'm just like Jesus. you done good. Hand. Hand. So you're just like Jesus. And it's hard to take in because the devil wants to find you in your failure. He wants to find you in your mistakes. He wants to find you in the biggest mess up of your life. And he wants to remind you that you're nothing. And, and, but at the same time, in those mistakes, as he's trying to tell you that you're nothing, it's the Spirit of God trying to speak to you. You're still the righteousness of Christ. There's times I just can't wait until tomorrow because today was such a bad day. But I still go to bed knowing I'm the righteous of Christ. I've been saved by grace. I've been redeemed and his mercy has been applied to my life. It's his, his blood that has wiped my sins away and cast them as far as the east is from the west. And my, my flesh does not tell me who I am. My God tells me who I am. The spirit of God who lives in me, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead shall quicken your mortal body. And he reminds us of our sonship and who we are in the kingdom of God. I feel this today. It's time for us to declare and decree that we are the righteousness of Christ, that we are the sons and daughters of God, that we are the head and not the tail, that we're going to overcome and not be defeated, that we are called today to pick up the sword in one hand and the shield in the other and declare to the devil he's had a bad day because we are the sons and daughters of God.
Woo! You're like, why do you shout for it? I shout because I know who I am. I, I remind myself who I am. The Spirit of God tells me who I am. When I read His Word, it declares who I am in Christ today. See, the Apostle Paul was a man that persecuted Christians. And here he is, is writing about all this about the righteousness of Christ. But one day, he was persecuting Christians. He was holding the coats of those that even stoned Stephen. And long after his conversion, he declared, one day in 2 Corinthians 7 and 2, we have wronged no man. How in the world can he write that I have wronged no man or we have wronged no man? I mean, he's talking about for everything. That's not for what he was speaking in that moment, but he was talking about it all. How could he say that? He could say it because now he is walking in the righteousness of God. God does not see his wrongs. God does not see his mistakes. God does not see his mishaps and all the junk that it's in his past because all of it is under the blood and now he is a son of God he knew what it was like to stand the righteousness of God with a clear conscience there's times in my life I have sat there and just be living my life serving God and the devil reminds me something I've done in a sin and man for about 10 minutes I might buy into that if I'm not watching and say man I can't believe this what was you thinking then? I'm like, my God, I wasn't even preaching then. Then there's times as a preacher, just didn't do it right. Maybe 12 years ago, the devil will bring it up, right? But I'm like, God still don't remember that. He might have seen it in that moment. But once I reapplied the blood and reapplied the prayer, unto God for his grace and mercy. He doesn't even remember it no more. So I could be caught up in beating myself up over something God is no longer remembering or looking at. See, God's got the power not to remember it. He's got the power just to blot it out, not to bring it back up. So you can only have a clear conscience knowing the blood of Christ was shed for you and God makes you righteous. Romans 10, 2 and 3 says, Bear them witness that they have a certain zeal and enthusiasm for God, but it is not enlightened according to correct and vital knowledge from being ignorant of his righteousness that God ascribes, which makes one acceptable to him in his word, thought and deed, and seeking to establish a righteousness, a means of salvation of their own. They did not obey or submit themselves to God's righteousness. So it's a vital knowledge. Vital means life-giving. It's a life-giving knowledge concerning the word when we respond to God's word the way that we should. And we simply just have to have right thinking, life-giving thinking. There's times we'll penalize ourselves doing things in the kingdom of God that God's not penalizing us of, but we'll penalize ourselves because we're harder on ourselves than what God is. We've already got it under the blood, but yet here we are penalizing ourselves, thinking what we have to earn something, something that we got to continue to do works to get there. Listen, it's not by works that we're saved. I do works because I'm saved. I, I do all the works and the teaching because of the redemption and the salvation and the righteousness of Christ. I get to do that because I am made righteous. I don't do it to be righteous. I do it because I am righteous. You could never 
earn your own salvation. There's nothing good enough in us to do that. God's already given it to us freely by his grace and by his mercy. We know that. But that Romans 10 and 3 says, For being ignorant of the righteousness that God ascribes, which makes one acceptable to him in word, thought and deed, and seeking to establish a righteousness, in other words, a means of salvation of their own. See, Paul makes a clear distinction between the righteousness of God and the righteousness of men. See, there is a righteousness of men, men who will say that church has got to be done this way or salvation has to be lived out this way. Man, what a bondage. It's so true. There, I'll be honest with you, I was raised in a great church, but man, when I started preaching, I was in a lot of bondage and didn't know it. There's things I preached 20 years ago I wouldn't preach today. I've asked for forgiveness over what I preached. So true. I said, God, what in the world? I didn't know. And then you begin to study and begin to look at the depth of things. But Paul makes this clear distinction. And the apostle Paul made a call in the verse to submit to, to rely on righteousness, that we need to submit to the righteousness of God, not to our self-made righteousness, not to our flesh, but we need to establish and to submit ourselves to the righteousness of God, which is a worth or standard of God's own righteousness. That's how we see our worth. If we do not submit, Submit ourselves to the righteousness of God and do not take on the mentality that we are the righteousness of Christ, then we will not see our worth in the manner that God's called us to see it. You see, in our flesh, we'll never be worthy. We'll always feel, but God doesn't want us to be feeling off our spirit the way our flesh feels. Listen, if we all went the way our flesh feels, we'd probably knock someone out Monday through Friday somewhere. Right? There may be a lot of domestic cases. If we just done everything we feel, we may have been fired 20 times and can't find a job because we hit some. I don't know. But if we went by the way we feel, and if we serve God by just the way our carnality is, or by what the devil tries to place in seeds of thoughts of our mind, then we'll live in a place of being defeated. See, the day you got saved, you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. You invited him in your way, in your life, and the Holy Spirit came in a very active way, and he gave you the free gift of righteousness, and, and you recognized him as the only one that can make a difference in your life. You were born again. You became the righteousness of God. And at that point, the moment that sin may have entered your life at some point after you got saved, what type of battle do you think you created? See, what sin does is it causes us to be a coward. It causes us to live in fear. See, one is a coward. Someone is afraid to stand up for what is their right or what he or she has a right to. Your sin has the potential to make you act like a coward. And a lot of times when someone gets saved, it may be the next day, it may be a week, I don't know. They'll do something. The devil will beat them up. You'll find a Christian has been serving God for 10 years still dealing with this same concept. But what happens, sin creates a battle, the battle that maybe you created because of the act upon sin. But your reborn spirit has gone to war with your mind, your will, and your emotions. 
That's what happens. You might say, well, I asked God to forgive me as soon as I've done it. But then your mind, your will, all these things, your emotions begin to just beat up on you and bring guilt into your life. And, you, and you're like, I know I'm the righteous of God, but yet my flesh is saying all these different things. See, your sin brings guilt. God doesn't want you living a life of guilt. God's not called you to a life of guilt. You know, I don't like guilt trips. I, I, I don't mind someone funning with me and having fun and, and, and make me feel guilty having fun. But if I'm around somebody and they make me feel guilty, I don't associate. That's manipulation. It's not a good spirit to operate in. I don't like to be around someone that tries to make people feel guilty. I just think it's ridiculous. But righteousness is the ability to stand before God without a sense of guilt or being inferior. That we should not feel guilt or been inferior to our flesh or to the way that we live. We should have such a faith and confidence that even after failure, and it's not that we planned on failure or planned to do something wrong, and it's not that we're trying to live a lifestyle of doing something wrong, but the moment that that happens and we ask God to forgive us, we got to rise up and declare, I'm the righteous of God. I've got confidence that God sees me as being clean and His grace has touched my life. But we often wrongly conclude that if we feel guilty that we no longer have a right standing of God. Your guilt would try to tell you that you're not where you need to be with the Lord. Our feelings cannot change the reality of our righteousness in Christ. Some people quit church because of guilt. Some people quit serving because they live in guilt. They can't get over their own guilt. They beat themselves up so bad and none of it is from God. See, guilt's just condemnation. The Bible says for those that's in Christ, there is no condemnation. That God does not condemn. God convicts. There's a big difference between when you do wrong and the Holy Spirit convicts you or there's a temptation, the Holy Spirit convicts us. No, 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 say no to that. But if you fall even to the temptation, then it's the Holy Spirit convicting you. Say, listen, you got to repent. you got to get this under blood. you got to walk away from this and begin to walk in the righteousness of God. But the voice of the Holy Spirit calls to you, telling you to come back to the spirit of righteousness that has cleansed you from your sin. See, while the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you better believe the adversary wants a voice. Satan always wants a voice. He always wants to have some type of thought in your life. See, Revelation 12 and 10 says, For the accuser of the brethren, he who keeps bringing before our God charges against him day and night has been cast out. So the devil will say, don't you feel guilty? Don't you see what you've done? How could you go to church? How could you lift up your hands and worship? You know, I've heard those words before. You know what I do? I lift up my hands and I worship. When I hear those negative comments, I do the opposite of the very spirit that's telling me because only Satan will tell me not to worship God. Only Satan will tell me not to have confidence or faith. Only Satan, my adversary, will make me feel guilty. It's not from my God. First John 1 and 9 says, If we confess your sins, he is faithful just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we confess our sins, we are forgiven from the day that we confess those to God. And as you exercise forgiveness, you maintain a right standing with God. What we got to realize is that as long as the devil can lead us around by our feelings, he can deceive us into believing his lies. We can't be led just by feelings. 
We're not led by our senses. We don't walk out our faith. We don't walk by sight, which means our senses and our feelings and what we see and all those things. But we walk it out by faith. We walk it out because of the unseen God that works upon the seen things in the world. Amen? So what we must realize is that as long as the devil can lead us around by feelings, then we're going to stay defeated and we're not going to see ourselves living in the righteousness of God. We begin working on our own making of our own criteria. See, when you are living out guilt, you'll make up rules for yourself and everybody else around you. I've learned the people that have more rules in the kingdom of God are living under the most guilt. And they try, to imp- they try to press up on their rules on everybody else. Back in the day, I mean, it's kind of funny, but in the church world, back in the day, all the rules was against the women. Right? Men could wear what they want, do what they want. Women couldn't wear makeup, had to have your hair certain, couldn't do jewelry. Men didn't have no rules. Right? What we try to do as men, they had a lust problem. They try to make women more, uh, less unattractive. They try to make women unattractive. I mean, it's just the truth. You can laugh all day long. At it. it is crazy. I think some people might have convictions and good things out of them, and, and they might have a good conscience, but a lot of it was done completely out of guilt. Now, that don't mean you go around just dressing half-dressed all over. It'd be like me coming here with a tank top on. First of all, I'm not confident in my own body to come up in here with a tank top on in front of the church crowd. But at the same time, God's called us not to live in a place of guilt in a place of shame. See, God's explanation of righteousness is that we are righteous as long as we believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior. Galatians 3 and 3 says this, Are you foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect in the flesh? Letting us know that no matter what we do in the flesh, it cannot make us perfect. That when we begin in the spirit, we got to continue in the spirit. And our human nature says we got to attain righteousness in the flesh and make up for our sin. You can never. I've seen people just give out of guilt. They say, you know what? I've done some bad. I'm going to give out guilt. You know, that's not a way to give. You should give cheerfully and freely. should have a love to give. Not give because you've done something wrong. And some people say, you know, I'll do this or that because of my guilt. You cannot come up with anything in your flesh to try to attain righteousness. The Bible lets us know, even in Romans 5 and 1, therefore, since we are justified through faith, so it's by our faith that we attain the righteousness of God. It's simply a believing upon God, believing that he's our maker, believing that he sent his son to die for us, and believing that we can walk in this faith. And so many people never come to the righteousness of God because they keep score of their own sin nature. We can't keep score of our sin. Well, I've done this wrong this week, and I've done this wrong. Man, when you start looking at things like that, you're never going to be confident. We wonder why people can't pray a prayer of faith or can't live out a life of just believing for miracles and healings. It's because we are so worried about our own things that we've done wrong that we cannot focus upon the things that God's wanting to bring that's miraculous and healing and and just signs and wonders in our life. See, God already knew you could not qualify for His righteousness based on our achievements. God already knew that. He's like, there's no way they can do it in their self. That's why he sent his son to take our place. That's why he became your qualifier. Jesus became your qualifier. 
See, God qualified you through Christ. So no matter what the accuser says, no matter what Satan may say, your adversary, no matter what your flesh may try to deem, I often question my walk with God, why he's using me because I didn't feel holy and righteous all the time. Then I realize I don't have to feel holy and righteous all the time. But when I walk in guilt and I walk in shame, I'm not walking in the confidence and righteousness of God. Then what I'm doing is I'm choking off the anointing of God in my life and choking off the faith of God. And I'm choking off all the access of the things that God has set out on the table that's before me. See, I begin to realize since Jesus is already anointed, and if I am in him, then I'm anointed as well. He's the anointed one. He is right there with the Father. And the Bible lets us know that we're joint heirs with Christ, that everything he's inherited, then we have an inheritance too. See, your submission to righteousness allows you to follow the example of the anointing that Jesus had upon his life. So your obedience is simply just to know that you're righteous, simply to have the confidence of God. See, a lot of people has, they live out, and we're supposed to have a servant's heart, heart, but we're supposed to have a child of God or righteous of God mentality. We should be willing to serve anywhere, but if we have all the time a servant's mentality, don't get me wrong, there's a difference between a servant's mentality and mindset and attitude than having the righteousness of Christ attitude and mindset. A lot of times we will, we, we, we will get a mindset that we're in slavery or we just got to always do this and do that. And no, we get to do that because we're made righteous. Yes, we can have a servant's heart, but our mindset always needs to be upon we are confident and we are the children of God and we are the righteousness of Christ. Now let's read this scripture in Galatians 4. It says, but when the fullness of times was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son in your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, me and Daddy, crying out, Daddy. In other words, now that you are a son or daughter of God, you have his spirit in your heart. And when you realize it's true, then you have the right and access to cry to Daddy at any time. When I was a kid, even though I, when I would do wrong, my dad never just shunned me and said, I'm done. No, I don't want to look at you today. And no, 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 no. When I'd done wrong, he let me know I'd done wrong. But if I wanted to sit right there on his lap, even after I'd done wrong, I could sit right on his lap. If I wanted to be in his presence, as long as I wasn't running my jaws, right? As long as I wasn't talking back. And I was just saying, Daddy, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm here. And you know what? I could be confident, even as a child, that my daddy loved me. No matter your mistakes, where you've been, you need to still yet sit on daddy's lap and be confident that he still loves you. That you're still yet his son, just as I am my father's son in the earth. See, in other words, you confirm to your new family and leave the old family behind. See, the child becomes, that child, when you adopt a child, that receives, they receive your name and they receive your inheritance and that child becomes your heir. In order to receive his inheritance, he must act in accordance with the customs and rules and behavior of the family. In other words, you conform to your new family and you leave the old family behind. Old things are passed away and behold, all things become new in your life. We are the heirs of Christ and everything your father has that you have as well. The Bible says in Galatians 3 and 28 
There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. See, we talk about how we all need to be one and that how the body of Christ needs to be one. See, we're already one, if you'll really look at it. We just need to act like it. God's already made us one. We just need to act like we're one. We got to take on the attitude and the heart of the matter. See, it has nothing to do with your background. It has nothing to do with color. It has nothing to do with money. We become one because we receive his righteousness. And everyone that receives the righteousness of God with us, they are one with us. So we're already made one. Galatians 4 and 7 says, Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and of a son than an heir of God through Christ. See, the scripture says you're no longer servants, that, that you're no longer slaves. Think about it. The Bible has so many people like Moses and Elijah that we look at them as servants of God. And don't get me wrong, we're supposed to have a servant's heart, as I said. But if God does so much outside of grace and outside of the cross for people like Moses and Elijah and the servants of God in the Old Testament, how much more of a right position do we have since Christ took our place, died for our sins, and raised from the tomb on the third day now sent at the right hand of the Father and now we are declared to be joint heirs with Christ. Christ, we must take our rightful mindset and rightful position in Christ. See, sons and daughters can do what servants cannot do, but servants can only do what they're told to do. See, there's a certain mentality and attitude we've got to take. What's the difference between a servant and son? See, sons act like their fathers. So when your kid... Your little boy's acting up, say, they just act like their daddy. That's what they say, right? But you see, sons and daughters of God, they act like their father. Philippians 2, 5, and 6, so let this mind, that actually means attitude. This attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who'd been in form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So when you're declaring healing and you're declaring the good things of God, we need to have the attitude that we're joint heirs with Christ while we're praying. Knowing who we are, that we must have the attitude that this same mind that was in Christ, let it be in us, take up on the attitude that Christ had. Why does God want us to have an attitude of equality with the Son of God? Well, the Bible says in Philippians 2 and 15, on down from that, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as light of the world. See, this world wants to break us. This world wants us to live in shame. But when we take on the attitude that Christ had, the same mindset that he had, who he thought it not robbery to be equal with God because he's an heir of God and now we're joint heirs of Christ. See, people find us strange when we, we call cancer to fall and we begin to decree for it to fall. They find us strange when there's a storm going on in our life and we begin to speak against the storm as Jesus did, the physical storm. And, and, and when there's a financial problem, we call in supernatural finances. People think that we're crazy. Why would Christ give us all the authority and we not walk in it? Why would he tell us that signs and wonders will follow them that believe, that these will be the signs that follow them that believe? And us not walk in it. 
It all comes down to the right mindset and attitude that we are the righteousness of God. Why would he do it? Our thinking is that we are small humans and he's a big God and we'll just pray, well, if it's God's will. There's times you don't pray if it's God's will. Even in spite of sickness, and it may be a sickness unto death, even in spite of it, I'm still praying healing. I'm still speaking confidently the faith. There's times I walk away, something else happens, but there's times I walk away and something great happens. We got to speak into the dark world and speak light. Colossians 1, 12 and 13 says, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet or able or qualified, that God has made us qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated or transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. So we have been transferred the same way someone is transferred out of one department to another one, that God has transferred us by the blood from the world into the kingdom of God. We've been transferred out of sickness into healing, out of poverty into prosperity, out of addiction into deliverance through Jesus. We have been transferred out of the circumstances into good life. Even in counseling, it's all about the mindset of the person you're counseling. First thing you try to do is get them to think of a better self. That's the first thing. You try to get them in a mentality that they can come out of this, that things can change. And then they begin to take up on a whole new mindset and attitude who they are. And it may be weeks or months, but next thing you know, they're thinking different. So once they begin to think different, then they begin to live out something differently. We are saved. We're the righteous of God, but our thinking is not the righteous of God. See, everything Jesus did and went through was so that you and I could walk in the righteousness of God, be presented unto God spotless because of the blood. See, the, the only condition, really, there is a condition, is our faith and our mentality, our attitude. It's not just enough to read about it or shout about it, but you must receive it by faith. You might say, you know, I am the righteous. I believe that. In spite of my storm, in spite of what I said this morning, though I didn't mean to, and it got the I'm still the righteous of Christ. In spite of my mentality last night, I'm still the righteousness of Christ. See, 1 John 3 and 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. God chose us and called us to be sons. Before we was ever saved, we was called to be the sons and daughters of God. Verse 2 says, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and doeth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. There's going to come a day that we're going to see him. And we're going to see exactly when we see him who we are. But right now, if you can begin to see him and everything he is in the fullness of grace and mercy that God truly is, then you begin to see who you really are in the kingdom of God. When you spend time with someone, you know them. When you just take a moment to be in the presence of God, you know him. And you don't view yourself as the world views you. You know, one of the most gracious, gracious people in my whole life is my family because they really know me. My wife knows me more than anybody. She can tell what I'm thinking by looking at me, she knows. She can send me a text from across the room. She can come to me, what, what are you looking like this? She knows who I am and still loves me. 
God knows all there is to know about you and I. And he still loves us. But when we begin to see him for who he is, that he's not this person that's trying to hammer us down. He's not this God just waiting to knock us out and flip us somewhere to the side. But he's this God that loves us and is full of grace. Yes, he expects us to live a life the best we can, not in active sin. But because of the righteousness of God, we don't have to live out in active sin. When we see him for who he is, then we begin to live out who God's called us to be. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.